0: Uh, Welcome, everyone. A big show this morning with guests. We have uh, Blake Masters joining us. He is the Republican candidate for United States Senate. He will join us at 9.05. Looking forward to that. We talk so much about the economy, and it is something that is on everyone's mind. Which direction are we headed? Things are getting more expensive. One of the things I try to keep focused on in my own mind, even if I'm not voicing it on the air, is uh, what that really means to people. The politics of this when it comes to this kind of this genre of radio. In talk radio, a lot of it's political, and everybody knows where I stand politically. You know my political leanings, but in the end, we are genuinely in this together. What works, what doesn't work. But what happens when it doesn't work? That's the issue. Is that you? If you take a cavalier, I don't want. I don't want a surgeon that has the attitude that says, "You know, mistakes happen." Now, you know, you don't want to hear a surgeon say, "Whoops, that's not what you want." You want people that understand that mistakes do happen, but when they happen, there are severe consequences for people, and um, there are those that are a little bit more immune. If you have money, it gives you options, generally speaking, and that's about the only difference. But I want to talk about a story based on the economy and how it is. And here in Arizona, home prices are still very, very high. There is no expectation of a crash. I don't think there's going to be any kind of a crash at all. So if you own a home, you've got a lot of equity in that home. Um, It's good for you. Uh, Wages are up. Uh, Spending is consumer confidence or consumer spending went up a little bit in July. Inflation seems to be down a little bit. It's still extremely high for people. But what is the other side of that coin? And I was looking at a couple of stories this morning, and that's where I want to begin, is the other side of that coin. Here is what uh, you want to talk about, a statistic or a trend that we should be watching. Here's the headline. St. Mary's Food Bank on track to break all-time monthly record as inflation skyrockets. That's the headline. That's a story that was published yesterday. So the reality of all of this, and I'm just going to read a little bit, the food bank says it's the highest, it, it, it's the highest number of families served for any month in its 55-year history. St. Mary's Food Bank is the original food bank. They are the OG in the food bank industry. And they do a spectacular job of managing dollars and of serving this community. They do it efficiently monetarily. They do it efficiently in practice. Um, and when they speak like this, I listen. The would-be record beats out distributions during the COVID nineteen outbreak, where unemployed, unemployment skyrocketed in the country. It also beats out the annual holiday food drives, where people are waiting in long lines for Thanksgiving meals. During the pandemic, we saw an incredible number of people coming to us for help, and that started to get better. Now it's starting to climb again with this inflation. Never dreamed we would be here less than a, <clears throat> be here less than a year. We're back in the same situation we were. People coming to us asking for help. That that's Tom Curtis, St. Mary's Food Bank president and CEO. So I want to start there. Frustration and despair as, uh, as homelessness uh, – as despair grow as homeless encampment in downtown Phoenix swells. There is, outside of the politics of this, the nebulous conversation, the um, sometimes it gets to be idiotic conversation of are we in a recession? Technically, we are. We change the definition. And then we argue about the politics of a recession. We can argue this politics all all day long. The reality is that we are watching people at the bottom of the economic ladder that are holding on. And I'm not talking about people that will not work or won't go out and do something. We're talking about hardworking families that are trying to make ends meet and keep their heads above water are finding it impossible to do that. We have a housing shortage in the valley. We aren't really addressing that the way we should. We are seeing home pr- or, um, uh, food prices, you know, the necessities going up through the roof. It's costing more and more money, and people are not making enough to keep up with that. So you've got what are responsible people that work hard for a living, and that's the mental image. I would love to get into people's minds and get out of the other. I understand like everyone else does. We think about people going to a soup kitchen or going to some place to get food, or if you've ever gone to serve, and I've gone um, – To serve with St. Vincent de Paul on Thanksgiving and other days. But when you look, when you think of that, you think of homeless people living in a tent, getting a meal. And I'm telling you that it is a family that's driving a used car that works very hard, that's pulling up, that realizes they don't get paid for another three or four days and the refrigerator is empty and their kids are hungry. And there is more and more of that happening, and these are not people that behave irresponsibly. These are people that behave responsibly. So there's two sides of this that I want to focus on to start with. Number one is getting – well, I think the, the, the foundation is we get rid of the politics of it for a moment, and we address the need. This is where when I, I extol the virtues of these organizations that work so hard – when I talk about a St. Mary's food bank, I don't want to leave out the others. The United Food Bank in the East Valley does an amazing job. I've worked with them on a number of occasions. They are great people. If you live in the East Valley, they serve all over the state of Arizona, including up in northern Arizona, um, doing work with people that are hungry on tribal lands, and they are just great people. Um, you know, St. Vincent de Paul, I've talked about them, and I, I never talk about this issue without mentioning how much I've learned about the medical needs of homeless people and what they do at Circle the City. These organizations are organizations that I talk about because this is the way the problem is supposed to be addressed. And I'll give you an example. When the government does it, it costs a lot more money than it should, and it's a lot less efficient than it should be. That doesn't mean that the people that work in the government don't care. It's the nature of the beast. Now let's take a look at just St. Mary's Food Bank. Every dollar you donate to them, they can buy seven meals because they buy in bulk, when you look at their rate of any kind of waste, when, when, you know, even when, when perishable food items are donated to them, um, the, the level of waste is minuscule. It's the difference between a restaurant that is privately owned and a family owned business where the owner of that restaurant every single week is buying the food that they cook and managing waste because you understand that waste is lack of profitability. But in the world of helping um, hungry people like St. Mary's Food Bank does or St. Vincent de Paul or United Food Bank in the world they live in, they realize a couple of things. Number one, every bit of waste may mean another hungry person. And the other part of it is, is every bit of waste may be a resistance for someone to give next time. They understand that they live and they, they succeed because of the donations and the kindness of people that also may be on some level hurting. So they are good stewards of the donated dollars they receive, They are good stewards in how they spend that money on the products that they give away. They are super efficient in the volunteers they bring in to help. We've done a couple with the Action Alliance. I did one where we packed emergency food bags at United Food Bank and emergency food boxes at St. Mary's Food Bank. The level of efficiency when you go to volunteer, they make it so simple for you to know that you're making a difference. And see the accomplishments. They make it easy for the volunteers to come in and give of their time. There are people right now that can't give money, but they're willing to give time, and they make it efficient for you to do that as well. So as much as I focus on what I believe are the political reasons why things happen, and I will argue about politics, I think it's only fair that we shed some light On the positive things on the other side of this, we've got a growing homeless encampment in the city of Phoenix. There's a story in here about San Francisco where they have a plan there where they move people in, house people, then they evict them and they kick them out, and then it's just this revolving door. And then a private organization – like uh saint vincent de paul i'm just gonna I, I want to highlight something they do that i've seen and is an amazing program is yes they have a day-to-day homeless shelter kind of a place where people can come and get toiletries and things of that nature uh, you can get a haircut there which sounds silly and sounds frivolous unless you're trying to get a job and you have to look presentable to get a job you can get clean clothing a new set of clothes shoes they'll give people bicycles to get back and forth to work or to to, um, to job interviews. But the other part is they have a shelter where they bring in homeless people off the streets and there isn't a time limit on this, but it's always a progress where these people come in and they address the issues that got them homeless. If it's an addiction, if it's a legal matter, whatever it is, they help them overcome those issues and they move them through this process. And at one end of this building is a, is a, a bulletin board, and they call it the Wall of Keys, and it is pictures of former residents of this shelter that have now worked their way back into mainstream society and now have a place to live, and they're self-sufficient. Now, there may be some subsidies to begin with from, from St. Vincent de Paul, but they move themselves into self-sufficiency. That program is not the revolving door. That program is beginning to address problems. That's why when I talk about these private organizations, when I talk about St. Mary's Food Bank and St. Vincent de Paul and United Food Bank and Circle the City and these other amazing organizations that are alive because of your donations and I push us in that direction, it's because they're solving the problems. They are in the streets solving these problems more efficiently than a government program could ever solve it. That, to me, is the biggest issue. What are we doing to serve those in need and do it the most efficient way possible? So that's where I start this morning, and it's up to you. If you're able to look into these organizations and give, that would be great. That wasn't necessarily the point. It was more about awareness. Those are the organizations that I believe are the ones that are making the greatest impact addressing these problems that we're all concerned about. Coming up in a moment, we are going to talk – About a very sad story out of the Chandler Unified School District. It has to do with the rise in suicides in schools around. We're going to talk about this coming up in just a moment. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show. KTAR News, 92.3 FM and the KTAR News app.
1: I'm feeling glad
0: Hey, thanks for being here. Appreciate you spending some time with the show. Um, we have got Blake Masters in studio with us coming up at just after 9 o'clock. That's happening in just a little bit. Of course, we're going to have Gatos join us in the big Q poll question of the day in a few moments. Chandler Unified School District defends its record on teen mental health after another teenager has committed suicide. Um, I've had my differences with school boards, obviously, but it's hard for me to wrap my arms around blaming a school board for an issue like this, other than to say this mental health has been a big issue for teenagers going back forever. You know, it's a confusing time in your life. And uh, parental input, along with other adults and watching for signs, and even then, it, it's difficult. Um, one of the most trying stories for me in my life was my, my youngest brother's best friend took his own life with absolutely no, um, no clue to anyone. It was the day before he was leaving for college. Everything seemed to be fine. He had gone out clothes shopping. He was a well-adjusted, well-liked, uh, brilliant superstar athlete, was going to play baseball in a scholarship and had everything going his way. His mother is a mental health counselor. And for reasons unknown to anyone, he took his life, and it, it changed the way all of us looked at life at that time. My brother was obviously – he was um, very, very disturbed by this happening, and uh, it was something that's lived with me all these years later. This happened in about 1992, and I, I still remember it like it was yesterday. And the idea of mental health, and I I don't want to go down the the, the road of us versus them in schools, but when you look at mental health care, when we look at what happened during the shutdowns from COVID, calling them good or bad or necessary, unnecessary, again, dealing with the way things are, the reality of what happened with shutdowns and the isolation that we have that we've seen specifically with young people, there was a press conference. And the former director of the Arizona Department of health services uh, dr christ was was giving was at a press conference, and she was reading some of the statistics on suicide and suicide attempts and there were four categories, and I think one of them was suicidal thoughts. There was the others of kind of actually making a plan. Um, Another one was doing something to hurt yourself. But there were four categories. And as she was reading these statistics of how all of these areas had grown, uh, she she started to tear up. She started to get emotional in this press conference. It was something that affected her. Um, And and I think all of us, when you think about the isolation, now, instead of fighting about whether or not we should have locked down our children, uh, instead of fighting about whether or not we should have masked up our kids in schools and closed the schools, Schools, which is a conversation we're going to continue to have, but specifically for this conversation, instead of doing that, deal with the reality that it's there. And the reality is this, the emotional well-being, the mental well-being, and in many, many cases, the physical well-being of our children were dramatically affected by the sh- schools and the isolation, um, so I, I've ranted and I'll continue to rant as days go on about bad decision making, not based on science, in my opinion. But in this case, we know that children had an emotional reaction, a, a mental health reaction, and it was very negative. If you look in children and adults in the number of, of addictions that spiked or relapses from addictions that spiked during the isolation, um, it was a, it had a very negative impact on so many people, including children and we also understand in the emotional development of a child if we are not if we do not intervene if there is not intervention even if they don't go to the extreme of taking their lives it it sometimes damages them emotionally for years so how do we address this what is the right way to address this and in this story that i'm reading from um it, it is uh, students at the school that are going to the school board and saying, hey, listen, we have come to you on many occasions and have said you need to do something. We want you to listen to us. So I'm not here, and I've had fights about the Chandler School District. I'm not a fan necessarily. But what can be done? That's the bigger question here. The blame game is fun politically. and you know, When I say fun, is, is necessary politically if direction changes need to happen. But when you're talking about the mental health and the emotional well-being of children, what can be done? What is the responsibility of a school district in addressing this? Now, we're going to hear about this big push, and we've already heard about this big push politically for a lot more counselors to be involved and counselors being brought in to help children um, deal with the emotional, and all that's well and good, but it's got to be more of an approach than the political approach, and instead of school resource officers, we need counselors, and that argument is largely political, it should fall on deaf ears, but we have to deal with the reality that we have children in our society that are hurting emotionally, and some of them are actually attempting to, and in very sad occasions, accomplishing taking their own lives. And it's 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 something we have to address. Parents have to be mindful of their parent of their children's well being. Friends have to be talking with their friends. And yeah, people in schools, teachers have to notice differences in the way children behave. Whether a, a, a child goes to school and turns a gun on classmates, or they turn a gun on themselves, or or they take their own life, this is something we all should take very seriously. This should be a very serious warning sign. Gatos joins me in a moment. It's the BQ poll question of the day. So please stick around for it.
1: The Gato's Big Q Poll Question,
0: brought to you by your Valley Toyota dealers. Hey, good morning, Gato's. Happy Friday. Happy Friday. (laughs) (laughs) Are we getting all that Trump stuff coming down now? Um, It's supposed to be down by 9 o'clock. Nine.
1: You think this is going to be a big story today?
0: I don't know. It depends if we, if we get a piece of paper that uh, says affidavit at the top and the signature at the bottom and a bunch of black lines. Oh, I don't gosh. know what we're going to get from it. You
1: know, <laughs> it can depends you look in like the, the paper really closely and see if you can read anything. Like holding under it up to a light. <laughs> yeah. Oh my goodness! I just kind of... I wish this guy wasn't in the news. I don't want to talk about him. Like, he's not, I understand that he affected the midterm primaries with his endorsement. I get it. But I'm like, gosh, we're still talking about Donald Trump crying out
0: loud. And I'll be honest, I don't have any, I don't care whether, you know, if we were still talking about Hillary Clinton, it wouldn't bother me.
1: What that would bother, bother me. I don't want to talk about her either. What,
0: what I'm saying, what bothers me about the conversation is it isn't looking forward, it is still looking backwards. And I think that that's a dangerous thing to do at this point. We've got an election. Matter of fact, I've got Blake Masters coming on with me right after you, after nine o'clock, talking about where, what, it doesn't matter what party you're in. What do we do moving
1: forward? He scrubbed his, uh, he, didn't he scrub his, uh, I don't know. I'm going to, I'm going
0: to talk with him about that. I'm going to ask him about changes to his website because that's what the headline said was that he kind of erased his stance on abortion from his website. It's gone now. Like he's revamping it. And I'm going to ask him about that because I think, you know, it's, it's still a big issue to people. And I want to get him, I'm going to let him say on the air what his stance is on the issue.
1: Yeah, I think, you know, I I just don't think you get to know any of these candidates, who they really are. They're, like, just on the Republican side, because this is a more interesting race. You know, a lot, almost all of them, very far right. And then, you know, Blake Masters ran an ad just the other day, I saw on TV, Independent? So he's independent on it. Well, he doesn't sound independent to me. Well, he, to be he, fair,
0: to be fair, if yeah. you remember when Kirsten Sinema ran, she was yeah. independent just like Arizona. And I was one of the people that said never going to happen. And I was wrong. She, she has been a lot more independent than she had been in the past.
1: You didn't think she was going to be independent? Not at all.
0: I, after her track record in the state legislature, I thought she was going to be as far left as anybody we'd ever seen in the office. Yeah. And I was wrong yeah okay well Uh, what do you got for a question because i have less than a minute left it's interesting it is talking to you
1: uh, i'm very interesting you are you are Uh, a missouri school district has brought back paddling uh they're going to discipline their students with paddles Uh uh-huh uh would you like to see arizona do this yes Yes. or no yes you want to you want to bring the paddle back i got got swatted that's amazing you know chad said he got swatted too i did Oh, you got swatted right on the on the oh yeah
0: mr willie the middle school principal
1: Oh, no. Yep. You still remember his name? Yep. Still remember the paddle. Mr. Willie. All right. All right, man. All right.
0: (laughs) When you say it like that, it doesn't sound so good. All right, let's. We're going to stop talking about Mr. Willie. Oh, for crying out loud. (laughs) Thanks, Gatos. See ya. The BQ poll question today brought to you by your Valley Toyota dealers. Coming up next, Blake Masters, candidate for Senate, joins me in studio.